It's another edition of not just another sports podcast, a podcast where we talk about Chiefs football. And by God, Christian, we have Chiefs football to talk about. How did it feel to see Patrick LaVon Mahomes on the field again, Christian? It was pretty nice, uh, although I'm a little bit more hyped about some other players that were on the team. Did you uh, did you have a good weekend watching the game? It was nice. I will admit I did not get a chance to watch the game live. I was doing much, much more important things like taking my son to Chuck E. Cheese for a birthday party. But nevertheless, I did get to watch it. Thank God for, you know, if it was an actual NFL game, I probably, you know, rearranged my calendar a little bit. But since it was preseason, I was okay with recording it, reading over what most people had said about it, and then just uh, watching it by myself and skip through the commercials. Not too bad. So I did get a chance to watch. Uh, Overall, what are your, I mean, I know it's, let's just go ahead and get it out of the way right now and, and say it's preseason. So all these takeaways we're, we're making are all draped in the cloth of it's preseason. But what were some things that you thought you could actually take away from that game, Christian? So there are a few different things that I really, really looked at. The first one being Isaiah Pacheco's uh, like rep count, because he was only in for like 12% of the entire game which is absolutely crazy when you see like Rojo got way more snaps. McKinnon got way more snaps. Um, Gore even got more snaps than he did. It was like him and Clyde both played about the same amount of plays and then were both pulled, which to me is a really, really good sign if you're on the Isaiah Pacheco hype train because it's like, oh, they they know what they have in him. They really, really, really don't want him to get hurt uh, playing this preseason game. And they pulled him immediately. So I'm super excited to see Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, it'll be interesting how he, you know, competes for an RB1, RB2 spot. And we talked about the roster cuts. And did we both say Rojo was going to get cut? I'm, I'm having trouble remembering. Um, I'm not sure we've made a definitive prediction, but um, I definitely don't think that he helped his case. No, he he played awful that game. And well, granted... And- one thing, one thing that this is actually one of the things I like when it comes to preseason football is you can them. There's a lot of middle ground there where it's like, oh, you know, is Sky Moore going to be the punt returner, or they did use Trent McDuffie, who looked better. That's the gray space that's really kind of hard to tell. That ultimately, an NFL coaching staff can break down. But some of the definitive things that we could tell in this game, and this goes back to Ronald Jones, everything outside of the Chiefs' starting offensive line looked awful. Chiefs offensive, like second and third string offensive line looked really, really rough. And Ronald Jones was running behind that line and it did not look good. I, some of that I'm going to put on the offensive line. Some of that's going to, I'm going to put on Ronald Jones as well, because if he had done something in camp to prove that he could run behind that first team offensive line, things would probably be looking a little bit different, but yeah, Ronald Jones, uh, he was definitely one of the like extremes where it's like, okay, I feel like we're actually kind of seeing things here that matter. Yeah, well, him and Gore, too, because there were a couple of plays in a row where Derek Gore, like, dropped a fumble or dropped a pass, missed a blocking assignment, and then didn't have a didn't run the cutback lane and get upfield and took a loss. Like Spe- so. And speaking of kind of the curiosity of this, we're talking about, you know, running back snaps and how they matter. Jarek McKinnon played a single offensive snap and then the rest were special teams. So he was in on one offensive snap in this game. So I'm not necessarily sure what we can take away from the running backs. I mean, I certainly think that one of Jarek McKinnon, Derek Gore and Ronald Jones are making the team, 
probably not all three, maybe not even two out of the three, but one of them is, and all of them kind of had a very interesting, questionable preseason game. Yeah, well, and man, I could have sworn that McKinnon had taken more snaps, um, but that makes sense if they were mostly special teams. I think I had maybe seen the total snap percentage, snap count percentage. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you would think that it's like, you know, pick what style of runner you want that fits best in there. But it looks like the Chiefs are kind of taking like, we're going to get the best guy. We don't care if you run it better up the middle. We don't care if you're like an outside zone guy. We don't care if you're fast, you're slow. If you can catch out of the backfield, if you can block, we're going to go into this preseason game. And we're going to pick out who's going to be the third running back and or fourth if they end up keeping two of them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I also was really excited about the defensive line, especially George Karloff, this uh, him playing off the edge. I, I, tw- I had a tweet earlier. I think it was yesterday, uh, which I'll humble brag here, kind of blew up a little bit, like 300 likes. So I I've got the clout now. Um Basically, like, dude, George Karloftis had, like, seven or eight different pass rush moves. And he used them all. And for the most part, they almost all worked. Now, it's against the Bears offensive line and against Tevin Jenkins, a second-round pick from last year. So it's it's not like he was playing up against Tristan Wirfs or Teron Armstead or anything like that. Like, it, it wasn't, like, top-tier guy versus top-tier guy, but that's promising. Like, I really like to see – a defensive end like that, especially when we drafted in the first round that I had concerns about, pop like he did on Sunday, which was, like I said, dude, that that was such a breath of fresh air to me to like, okay, maybe we'll have a somewhat good pass rush this year. Maybe maybe my hope isn't doesn't have to die yet. We'll wait till we get into the actual season and see if it plays out. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think when it comes to the defensive line, I'll be honest, I wasn't as impressed with George Karloftis, but here's what I'll say. I wasn't impressed with him, not because I thought he stunk. It's because he was kind of exactly what I expected him to look like. However, lots of people whose football opinion I value, like Seth Kaiser, um, some of our friends like Craig Stout over at KC Sports Network, and others have all said that they were very impressed with what they saw out of Karloftis. So I'm going to defer to them because they have more football knowledge than me. What I will say, though, is that this was an offensive line that the Chiefs defensive line should have been able to manhandle, and they did. I mean, Chris Jones, just just that sack that he had, it was, a, it was more of an indictment on Justin Fields' safety than anything for this year. Um, Carl Aftis looked good. Frank Clark had some moments there. Um, Carl Lawson even had a few minutes. Or I always want to call him Carl Lawson. Um, the Dunlop Dunlap, Carlos Dunlap. They, yeah. For some reason, they both got traded in the same trade trade deadline. I've just had them forever, like wrapped in my mind. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think all of them looked pretty good. And I, I think we even got some pretty good snaps out of Colin Saunders, Derek Naughty. Um, I think that there's re- some cautious optimism about the Chiefs defensive line, and that's not even including what they have as far as options as blitzers with Leo Chanel. We know Legarius Sneed is really good off the blitz, and I think that they're going to have some options with Legarius Sneed as well. Yeah, the, the only thing that concerns me about the defensive line group is they just brought in two guys and replaced guys that we thought actually really had potential to maybe even start on the team. Like Lonnie Johnson got cut, what was it, today? The, today was the first round of cuts. Yeah. and they immediately brought in 
a defensive tackle who looks like, and I don't even know, like those really big oversized quarterbacks he used to make in the Madden creator. Like he, he's about like six, three, two ninety, something crazy. Like, so they brought in two guys, him and Stallworth. I can't remember the, the guy we just brought in, but they, they brought in two guys to stuff the run when I thought that's kind of what Naughty was supposed to be doing and kind of what Wharton was good at and maybe what Mike Dano was maybe the best at. So bringing in those guys and letting other pieces go, I think is kind of like a sign for caution. Like maybe, maybe hold up it. We're maybe not as deep as we think we are, but other than that, I think on the game from the tape that we saw without diving too deep into it, I think that they looked fairly good. Yeah. And I think, you know, going kind of, again, we learn sometimes we learn more by what doesn't happen than what does happen in preseason football. The fact that Lonnie Johnson Jr. was one of the first cuts that they made for a player like Danny Shelton, which you mentioned it. I mean, he's got an absolute wagon. He was someone posted a picture of him today. Dude's got some serious cake, some serious junk. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I think that that speaks to one. They feel pretty good about the pass rush options, about getting speed off the edge, that they just want to, you know, are kind of worried more about plugging the gaps as far as uh, in the interior. And then also they feel good about the young rookies. Um, There were some big plays from the Bears in this, but every single one, man, just felt like a jump ball that was a tip pass or every single one was like, well, that was a great catch. That was a great catch. But one thing, and this, this is actually probably my biggest takeaway besides one other for the game was just there was a noticeable speed difference on the field for the Chiefs defense. You just always felt like there was two guys right there, three guys right there. And you could also tell there was one catch. It was in one of the first drives that the Bears had that it it just got over. Uh, it might have been Sneed's head or it might have been Watson's head. But Juan Thornhill was there and a step or two away. And if that's regular season, I think that Juan Thornhill finishes that play, drives through him, and the ball is never completed because he's getting whacked by Juan Thornhill, but the speed was just noticeable. There was a play that got pretty that went kind of viral of Justin Reed coming downhill, knocking the tight end and the tackle off the line of scrimmage, which basically blew up the whole run play for Willie Gay to like make the run fill. So I this is the thing that I think is just going to be a theme for the Chiefs early in this season when it comes to the defense is beautiful disasters. Like the Chiefs defense is going to have some of those times, especially with how complex the scheme is, that there's just going to be a guy who there's not even a defender in the frame. And you're like, dude, what the heck is going on? But there's also going to be times where like someone is brought like a runner is brought down in the backfield from behind from some athletic play or they're able to compensate. And I think by the end, if they can correct those things the athleticism is going to make up for the scheme lack of scheme knowledge in the beginning. And let's not forget that those scheme things were still happening last year with Dan Sorensen and Tyron Matthew. It's not like that. That's an that never happened back then with the Wiley veterans that happened. It's just now you've got guys who can overcome mistakes with athleticism, which is something we cried out for last year. Well, yeah. And I think that there was a conscious effort to move in that direction. Like if we're going to have guys out here, not making plays, let's at least have like some upside for them. Like Ben Neiman in coverage last year was like one of the worst coverage linebackers in the NFL. He might've been the worst coverage linebacker in the NFL. Dan Sorensen, the safety coming up playing on the line or even in coverage was one of the worst coverages, coverage safeties, excuse me, in the entire league. 
And those guys were old and they were slow. And they said, you know what? We're not going to do that. Uh, let's draft Leo Chanel, who had a 9.99 RAS score. Let's bring in, uh, oh, now I'm, his name is escaping me, uh, Cook, Brian Cook. Let's bring in Brian Cook, draft him, and he can be our third safety that comes downhill and absolutely blows plays up in the backfield. Like, let's just get some young guys in here who, if they're going to make mistakes, that's just it. They're mistakes. It's not, I wasn't athletic enough to get into position to make a play. It was, I was, I absolutely could have, there was just a mental lapse there. It, it took me half a second longer. That won't happen next time or the time after that. So making that movement to more athletic guys, I feel like, I, first of all, 100% agree with you. That's absolutely going to show up like on Sundays when we're watching the games, but also, I feel like it's going to be greater for us in the long run. I know athleticism usually doesn't last in sports, but in football, it's like it's so important to have athletic guys on your defense that can make plays and blow stuff up. And the Chiefs af- absolutely have those players now to be able to do that. Yes. And one one thing that I think we can kind of just like close the case on is the wide receiver room. I think that that's pretty well set in stone. Um, to me, it's your, your four, which are, you know, MVS, Juju, Skymore, Hardman, and then five and six are going to be Justin Watson and Darius Fountain. Both looked good in the game. Justin Watson probably was about the player who showed the most. They both contributed in special teams. Both have gotten comments from Tobe and Mahomes as far as they both like them. I think that, that that wide receiver room is pretty much set in stone. You're getting six wide receivers. Josh Gordon's done nothing to even remotely make himself warranted a roster spot. Cornell Powell is still just not showing enough. I, I, I think that that room's pretty well set. If, do you agree? Yeah, I would say that maybe Josh Gordon still has a place on this roster somewhere. If nothing else, just to be the aging vet in the room that can give you sound advice. I understand that we have guys like Juju and MVS who have been in the league a while, but Josh Gordon is really, really a seasoned guy. He had some stints where he didn't play football, but he, well, in the NFL, he still played football. Um, so having him in, in the room, I think would be a valuable asset, but I think it's going to be hard to squeeze him on the roster. Like we just let a really, really, well, not a really, really good corner, but a solid cornerback go in Lonnie Johnson. and. I think that Josh Gordon maybe isn't as good of a wide receiver as Lonnie Johnson was a cornerback. So it's hard telling, you know, well, we won't know for sure until the cuts actually come, but I really think Josh Gordon might have just for his knowledge of the game, a spot on the roster saved for him. But other than that, I agree with your picks completely. Those seem like the guys who are going to make it. Yeah, I'm definitely not arguing, but I would be, I would be at this point shocked if Josh Gordon made the roster, just because I think that they have a lot of a lot of space that they're trying to fought on this roster and really kind of changing up special teams and how they're going to approach it. I think that they're not hurting, but definitely are going to be keeping probably more offensive line than they normally do and keeping more secondary players. So I just I just have a hard time seeing a wide receiver who struggles in the passing game, which Josh Gordon absolutely does and contribute zero in special teams. Um, another thing that stood out to me in this game was Darian Kennard looked awful. I mean, he was, a he was, a just like an automatic door at a grocery store. He's not looked good in camp. He's looked dreadful against what is not a very good pass rush 
and the third and fourth string of the Bears. I I just don't see it with him. And I mean, you know, here's the thing. When it comes to the draft picks and draft classes, you don't have to have six successful picks for it to be a good draft. Usually it's more like two or three. So if Kennard is a complete flop and is cut or something this year, which we saw with Cornell Powell, but I mean, any any discussion about right tackle is over. It's Andrew Wiley, and it's Andrew Wiley until proven further. Because if Wiley comes out and plays the first three or four weeks and does well, which we expect him to because he played pretty well towards the end of the year, there's no point in coming in and interrupting it whenever they get their other right tackle back off of Pup. So I, I just don't see the reason why to interrupt that. And I just, at this point, I know that they had, they, they were obviously very optimistic about Kennard as a right tackle, but at this point, it's kind of looking like the teams that had him mocked up as a guard might've been right. Because if Lucas Nying comes back, you feel a lot better about the tackles, but I, I wouldn't want to interrupt the communication that's going on with Wiley and Trey Smith. Yeah. Well, and, the other crazy part about of it, it is, is, I mean, like, well, first of all, credit to Caleb James, one of the writers at Arrowhead Live. We talked to him before the draft, um, and he was talking, and after the draft, actually, and he said that Darian Kernard was more of a guard than he was a tackle. And I, I know almost nothing about offensive line play. I'll be straight up with you. Um, so I took him at his word. You know, maybe a little bit cautious because, you know, everybody else was so high on him. But yeah, it just doesn't look like it's been working out. Like, he, he obviously played terribly during the preseason game. In practice, he has been not great. And now you look at the practice today, and it was like, I think he was slated with the three slash fours on offense. And that's not good enough if you are trying to make a team. So maybe, just maybe, he doesn't make this roster and we stash him on. Uh, the practice squad, although I think, it, you know, because Veach spent that, what was it, a fifth round draft pick on him, I, I think that he has to stay on this roster, if nothing else, to protect him from being poached by other teams. Now, that's going to play a factor in, you know, who we have to keep in that crowded wide receiver room, the DB room as well. Um, but I, I think that a compromise has to be made somewhere else, if nothing, uh, if nothing else, to protect him from other teams. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, there always are kind of some interesting cutdowns. Last question for you about the preseason game, then we can kind of move on. Do how much do we take away from how the first team offense just marched right down the field? Does it does it mean something? The only thing that I will bring up, and again, this is preseason. I get it. Six different receivers for you know seventy yards. The it was very nice to see just, you know, different option after diff different option after different option as far as the passing game goes. It didn't feel like Hill and Kelsey, Hill and Kelsey. Now it's one drive, and I'm sure you could point out several drives that Hill or Kelsey wasn't targeted at all in the last couple of years. The only the only thing that kind of concerned me a little bit is it, it still seems like they just struggle to run the ball. And I, I just – is it just that the Chiefs don't practice it enough because Andy Reid knows that that's not what pays the bills at the end of the day? Or because there were still a couple of situations that were even with the first team offense, it's like, okay, this is an obvious running situation and we've got to go to the Michael Burton dive, which kind of feels desperate. It just feels like Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, your first round running back, you should be able to get a yard on third and one. I, I don't know. That was the only concern I had with the first team offense. Other than that, I thought everyone looked really good. 
almost had MVS on that deep post pattern just to just to step off. Mahomes was with him. And even then, MVS made a really nice catch, and Mahomes threaded that on that big third down. So I'll go to your first question, which is how do I think the offense, what, what does it mean? Is it, you know, is the offense marching down the field worth anything in a preseason game? I would say yes, only in so far as the the way that Mahomes distributed the ball. I think he made that a point of emphasis in that opening drive. Six of seven passes, all to different players. Um, that to me signals, hey, this is how this offense is going to look. Everybody always be ready because you never know. I could roll out of the pocket, throw it back across my body and hit you. Um, I'm not just going to be focused in on Hill and Kelsey this year. Kelsey's getting a little bit older. We're going to have to get somebody else in here that can can catch some balls for us. And I think that that was maybe the only good takeaway you could take out of it because it wasn't like they were doing anything crazy. They were in 12 personnel, which is two tight ends and a running back. Like it was, it wasn't like they were doing anything crazy. So that's good. Now, as far as the running situation, I have no idea. I, I don't know why we don't run the ball more, especially with the offensive line that we have, where it's like Creed Humphrey's a better run blocker. Uh, Joe Tooney's a better run blocker. Uh, OBJ's a better run blocker. Trey Smith would obviously be a better run blocker. And then Andrew Wiley is an okay run blocker. It's like you, you have all the personnel there to run the ball as much as you want. We're still not ever very good at it. Now, I don't know whether that's an emphasis, like just, not having it emphasized in practice, like you just said, or if it's just because uh, we're just running um, to give Pat, like give his arm a rest. Like, I don't know if, if it's just that, or if we're actually running to get somewhere, hopefully they change up some of the stuff that they do. I think they ran like some inside zone stuff on Sunday, which I mean, is kind of what they normally do anyway, but from the people I've talked to, it seems like we'd be more suited to run like a power running offense like sort of like how the Ravens have it where you know you don't run as much like quarterback option stuff where you know Lamar can actually break away and he can take a few hits Mahomes we don't want that 500 million dollar arm taking any hits than it needs to so I just don't know what we're going to end up doing if you had to put money on it what do you think you think it's they don't practice or they just don't care well, I, th I think it's two things. I think, one, they don't spend as much time on it as a team that is good at running the ball. You know, I think that the 49ers and the Ravens and teams like that practice that time in and time out because it's their, it's their go-to. And then I also think that the Chiefs just, they don't have backs that are good at that. They just never seem to have a guy who just gets the ball and hits the hole. And who knows, maybe Pacheco is that guy. You know, we talked about his speed and that he's a one-cut guy. But it's it's just hard to believe that the same organization that had Kareem Hunt and not even the same organization, the same coach that had Kareem Hunt, you know, league the lead in rushing and Jamal Charles for the years that Andy had Jamal. It's just hard to believe that they struggle with it so much now. And it used to be in short yarded situations. It was just like, well, the offense, the interior of the offensive line sucks. You know, that's back when you had Andrew Wiley, LDT and Austin Ryder in this center. And then the chief strength of the offensive line was at the tackle positions. But now. There's just not really any excuses, and I don't know. I, I'm just curious about it. This isn't a Clyde Edwards-Alaire complaint, surprisingly. I just I just don't know if they ha don't have the guys for it, if they just don't practice it. But my guess is they. it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah, and I would tend to agree with you. And, you know, referencing back to that Hunt situation, 
it wasn't even like, you know, we didn't have one of these wide receiver threats either. We had a worse offensive line. We had Patrick Mahomes who threw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. We had Travis, Travis Kelsey coming off one of the greatest seasons a tight end has ever had in his career. And we had Tyreek Hill still, and we had Sammy Watkins. So it's, it's not like we didn't have any weapons or we didn't have the personnel to do it. It was, we had seemingly a better running back and take it as a slide at Clyde. If you'd like to, it just seems like that's the only reason why we haven't been able to run the ball effectively. So I, I like that answer. Yeah. You know, it would, it would be nice for the chiefs to get some alpha at the running back position, but we, you know, we've seen them do it plenty at this point, you know, the chiefs running game is just, it's just a change up and it's, it's a, you know, it's something to keep defensive honest, but we've seen, you know, when the Chiefs are at the, their best, they run the ball. I mean, that's one of the secrets of the Chiefs Super Bowl in 2019 is that they ran the ball really well in that game. And it wasn't just Damian Williams. It was just the lanes were there. They were aggressive in it. And yeah, Damian Williams ran his ass off in that game too. And that's why you'll always hear um, people call for him to have won the Super Bowl MVP. But overall, I think... If you're a Chiefs fan, you're very happy about how things went in that game. Despite the loss, the players that you wanted to see be good were good. Um, Blake Bell got injured. You know, it does matter a little bit, not a lot. He's their best blocking tight end. But other than that, no one's season was over on that god-awful turf. So we'll take a, we'll take it as a win, even though it was a loss. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's break down what is one of our favorite episodes of the year. And it is our official NFL predictions. We're going to go through pick division by division standings, record, MVP, defensive rookie of the year, everything. Who's going to win it all? You don't need to watch the season. We got it right here. Now, for the sake of time, we are not going to spend 15 minutes hashing out why we have the Falcons losing the NFC South or the Panthers. You know, we don't need to discuss the bottom feeders, but this is these are honest, goodest predictions. Last time we gave you some crazy bold takes, one of which might come true, but these are what we think will actually happen. Some of them are right. Some of them aren't. I mean, last year, one of my big takes was that I thought the Patriots were going to win the AFC East. It did not happen, but they were better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. And it, it did kind of come down to the wire there for a little bit for the Bills. So let's go ahead and just start at the top. Christian, let's start with the uh, the AFC East. Who do you have winning the AFC East? So for the AFC East, I have the Bills winning with a 13 and 4 record, followed by the Dolphins 11 and 6, Pats 9 and 8, then Jets 3 and 14. We're pretty much in the same place. I've got Bills at 11 and 6, Dolphins 10 and 7, Pats 9 and 8, Jets 6 and 11. Um one thing for me in the AFC, I just have I just don't have one team that ever actually like takes off where I've, mm-hmm. I have I think 11 wins is the most I predict for any team in the AFC uh, just because I think that there, it's going to be tough but it sounds like we're both pretty pretty bullish on the Dolphins I do think again we've kind of had this conversation but I do think that the weapons obviously with Tyree Kill obviously adding Mike McDaniel as the head coach a pretty good defense in place I think Tua just needs to be Jimmy Garoppolo and that's going to be a good offense a good enough offense with that defense they've got a soft schedule they're de- I, I definitely have the bill. Obviously, the Bills are making it as a, the the division champ. Dolphins are making it as a wild card into the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, same same for me. Both and then, of them are. yeah, and then Patriots. You know, they're kind of just you know struggling in the middle there, and then the Jets are still a ways away. Let's head over to the AFC North. 
where I have the Ravens winning the AFC North at 11 and six and making the playoffs. Then I have the Bengals at nine and eight, the Steelers at nine and eight and the Browns eight and nine. So just a cluster right there in the AFC North, kind of how it was last year. Most notably for me in this division, I do not have the Bengals making the playoffs. They go nine and eight. I think the Bengals are as good of a team this year as they were last year, but are going to have a much worse outcome because of how much tougher their schedule is. And I also think a lot of what Jamar Chase's success was last year was based upon defense is not respecting him. I think, I think that they're going to be a team that struggles with some of the things that the Chiefs struggled with last year. So I have them missing the playoffs. That's one of my big takes this year. So, yeah, I do not have the Bengals missing the playoffs. Uh, my order goes Ravens at the top, 12 and 5, Bengals 11 and 6, Steelers 8 and 8, Browns 4 and 13. And that might seem a little low, but for the Browns at least. But that roster, that whole locker room is in turmoil right now. Like, we don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to play. And even if he does play, looked like he wasn't all that great in the preseason game. I mean, take it for what you will. But they've also lost key pieces on defense and on offense. That wide receiver core is not as good as it was last year. So I could absolutely see them. And I do see them having an incredibly bad record. Ravens win the division, make the playoffs. Colts, or, uh, excuse me, not Colts. Bengals also make the playoffs. Uh, the Ravens were incredible last year, and they got better because they're not completely decimated by injuries. So I see them making the playoffs. Uh, Bengals just squeaking in with the sixth spot. Yeah, I, um, you know, the Browns, you could, you could see it. Like, as unstable as a situation as it is in the locker room, you could definitely see some crazy situation where they just absolutely uh, kerplunk there in that division. Let's head over to the never-exciting AFC South. I have the Colts winning the division at 10 and 7. I have the Titans missing out on the playoffs at 8 and 9. I just I just don't think that they have enough offensive juice anymore. I think that poor Derrick Henry is going to be run into the ground there with moving AJ Brown. Uh Jags at 7 and 10, so they kind of glow up a little bit there and the Texans at 5 and 12. Uh just putrid team there. Yeah, and I'm basically in that same spot. Colts 12 and 5 win the division. Titans seven and ten, Texans five and twelve, Jags five and twelve. I think the echoes of Bill O'Brien and Urban Meyer are still sounding in those two on those two teams. So I don't think that they're going to be very good. Uh, Titans miss the playoffs. Colts make it in with the four seed. Yeah, some of those teams you kind of wonder if they're actually trying to win when it comes to like yeah. the Texans. So only the Colts. We both have the Colts winning the division uh, ten and seven. You know, I think honestly they're more or less the same team they were last year. Matt Ryan, maybe a slight upgrade. I'm not sure. Uh, AFC West, I think, you know, we saved this one for last. It's definitely the most interesting, no matter if you're a Chiefs fan or not. Um, I have the Chiefs winning the division at 11 and 6. I have the Chargers at second in place with the division at 11 and 6. So it comes down to a tiebreaker between the Chiefs and Chargers. And then I have the Broncos in third place at 10 and 7. And I have the Raiders at fourth at 8 and 9. So everyone in the division has winning records. It is going to be a bloodbath. I think it's going to come down to some tiebreaker about who played when on what field, what was the weather like to settle who wins Chiefs or Chargers tiebreaker. I'm giving it to the Chiefs because they are the established stock. Andy Reid's proven that he knows how to win in this division time and time again. And also never underestimate the Chargers' ability to be the Chargers. 
So I've got three teams out of the AFC West, which I'm sure every Trinity person does. Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos. Yep. And I do not have the Broncos making the playoffs. Um, neither do the Raiders in this situation. So for my tiers, I have uh, 13 and four, the Chiefs at the very top, Chargers 10 and seven, and then both the Raiders and Broncos at nine and eight with the Broncos losing the tiebreaker. So the Raiders take the third place. Uh, like I said, in like the two bold predictions episode we did, like I don't believe in the Broncos at all. So I don't know how they're going to have this magical season where Russell Wilson comes in and fixes everything. Uh, the Chargers are going to be the Chargers. Not entirely sure if they're going to be healthy in the entire season. We know that they have a really good head coach that likes to go for it and make moves. So I think that's going to both, you know, give them an edge in some situations as well as lose them a few games. Um, Raiders also nine and eight. I think that they're a little bit better than they were last year. I mean, they have their offense is obviously going to be great, but that defense is still not great. So I think that them and the Broncos, you know, both kind of round out the bottom of that division and the chiefs, obviously, I mean, they've won the division the past like six years. So the last time that anybody else won the division, Peyton Manning was the quarterback of the Broncos. So chiefs are, like you said, established stock. They obviously have my vote for the AFC West win. Yeah, and I, I'm, I, when it comes to my predictions, I try to be pretty, pretty unbiased. Um, obviously, I know the most about the Chiefs, so it's natural for us to be a little biased. But I truly do think that the Chiefs just have the the nod here. There's a lot of change in the Chargers and Broncos organization. There's a lot of change in the Chiefs too. Obviously, they've turned over some pieces in that roster, but I think that there's the most upside with some of their young players where some of the other rosters are relying on some veterans to come in and contribute. But let's head over to the uh, NFC here. In the NFC East, who do you have winning, or how do you have the NFC East? So this was kind of a hard division to division to predict. Like, I, I have the Eagles winning 11-5, and five, or finishing 11-5, and five. then the Cowboys at 9-8, and eight. Washington at five and 12 and then New York at three and 14. Um, the Cowboys, I think nine and eight. I, I don't know. I, I went through and picked all the games and that's how I got to that number. I think I might've been a little courteous to them. I think that nine and eight might be a little too much. I, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be great. Washington and the giants are both dumpster fires. Uh, don't really have a good quarterback, not good offenses, not good defenses. And then the Eagles, I think they did the most. They added Jordan Davis on defense. They added A.J. Brown on offense. They've got the pieces. Let's see if they put it all together. Yeah, uh, Eagles for me as well, too. I think I think that they just have the best collection of talent in the division. I Even though I do think that Dak Prescott's the better quarter, best quarterback in the division, I think that the team just has a lot of talent around it and has a lot of young players that are still ascending. It's the same thing for me with the Cowboys. I have them at nine and eight. They do make the playoffs as a wild card. I It was really hard to find three wild cards in, in the NFC, man. Like there's going to be a bad team that makes it. And I think it might be the Cowboys. The Cowboys, you just, the, you know, the running game is not as strong as it used to be. The offensive line isn't as strong as it used to be. The wide receivers aren't as strong as it used to be. The defense probably peaked last year, although, you know, there's still some great players on that defense. Just nothing about that team feels like it's as good as it used to be, and it feels like everyone else in the league got better. And this offseason, they particularly did not get much better. Um, 
Commanders at and third, eight and nine. Giants four and thirteen. Uh, move on to the AFC North. I have the Packers winning the AFC North at fourteen and three. I think the Packers are going to be really good this year. I think they're going to be a dominant top two defense in the league. I think that Aaron Rodgers is someone who likes to play with a chip on his shoulder and will do everything he can to prove everyone wrong about the narratives about him and Devontae Adams. And I think they're also a team that doesn't need Aaron Rodgers to be great, even though he is, because they have two great running backs and an offense that is predicated off of running the ball. They're going to get two very good offensive linemen back, Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari. Um, I have the Lions. This is kind of my second bull take at eight and nine. So not even a winning record, but I do have them at second in the division. I have the Vikings at seven and 10 and I have the bears at a putrid three and 14. So it's, it's the Packers and a bunch of crap, honestly. Yeah. See, and here's where our picks are going to differ a lot because I do not have the Packers winning the division. I have the Vikings winning the division at 12 and five followed by the Packers at 12 and five as well. Packers lose the tiebreaker. Uh, Detroit Lions, five and 12. Chicago Bears, my beloved Chicago Bears at four and 13. Um, They lost a whole bunch of pieces. Same thing with Detroit. I just don't think they're ready. And Jared Goff has proven he can go to a Super Bowl. um, But I think that might be more Sean McVay than it is Jared Goff. So I, I don't see them making a huge splash. I think that Green Bay lost too much this offseason. They lost possibly their best player on defense and possibly their best player on offense outside of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, no shade thrown to throw Rogan, but um, the the issue here is that, you know, losing Devontae Adams is one thing. Not replacing him with anything is another. Like, they, they did not bring anybody else in besides drafting Christian Watson, who was a bit of a reach in the second round anyway. Like, Losing to Zadarius Smith as well on the defensive line, I think, is going to be a major problem for them as well. I mean, it maybe just a few seasons ago, he was racking up 12 and a half sacks a season. So two major pieces lost, not replaced with anything. And then the Vikings, I think, just added so much. Like, they lost Sheldon Richardson, uh, interior defensive lineman that used to play for the Browns, but they brought in Zadarius Smith. So not only did they you know, add pieces to this pass rush. They essentially stole them from the Packers and they had a really good draft, got some good secondary pieces, which they desperately needed anyway. And their offense is always great. So Vikings winning the division, uh, but Green Bay still making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just not there with the Vikings. I just, I just don't see it with that roster. I don't see it with Kirk. Um, and I don't, I think the defense is going to be a liability. Um, let's move on to the NFC South. Who do you have? How do you have the NFC South filling out? So for the NFC South, I have the Bucks winning the division going 12 and five, the Saints following them 10 and seven, Falcons nine and eight, and then the Panthers at three and 14. So not really much to talk about the Panthers. Uh, they got Baker Mayfield, and I think that if he ends up starting week one against the Browns, that's one of the games that they will win. Um, we've got the Falcons. They added some key pieces on offense. Drake London um, still kind of searching for a, a good quarterback, but I think that you know with all the talent they have there on offense and their defense that they just started 
to get going there at the end of the season that they will do fairly well. Uh, Saints, I think, are a sneaky playoff choice. Uh, I have them at the sixth spot for the NFC. Um, I mean, Michael Thomas is probably going to be back this season, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Uh, great offense, great defense, added a bunch of pieces on defense. I mean, like, not only is Michael Davenport still there, but they added Tyron Matthew. Uh, didn't they get Marcus May as well? Um, an- another safety. So that back end is going to be completely dominant. I could really see them doing some damage in the postseason. Then the Bucks. I think Tom Brady gets lucky here, um, as if he hasn't been lucky enough his entire career. I think that they win a few games that they probably shouldn't, um, and maybe fall to one that they probably shouldn't. But anyway, Bucks and Saints make the playoffs for me in this division. Yeah, I mean, thank God something good finally does happen to Tom Brady. Uh, he did have the foresight to go to the NFC when the AFC was heating up, but I have the Bucks fourteen and three. I think that they're you know the Packers and the Bucks are going to just be two truly elite teams in the NFC that just fatten up on some of those bad teams. Like you, I have the Saints making the playoffs at ten and seven. I think that they've done enough with the pieces that they have. That's going to be a good defense. I think the offense is going to be good enough. Uh, I have the Panthers at seven and ten because I think the Baker Mayfield respect is disrespect has gotten a little out of control. Granted, they're still going to seven and ten, and then I have the Falcons at three and fourteen, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Let's move on to the last division, the NFC West. I have the Rams repeating as division champions at twelve and five. I have the 49ers at ten and seven in second place. They make the playoffs as well. I have the Cardinals at eight and nine, not making the playoffs, and then I have the Seahawks at five and 12. Yeah. So I'm basically with you there. Uh, Ram, same order Rams, 49ers, Cardinals, Seahawks, um, 13 and four for the Rams or yeah. 13 and four for the Rams, 10 and seven for the 49ers, eight and nine for the Cardinals and then five and 12 for the Seahawks. Um, Rams are still dominant. All they've done is add pieces and I think that they're going to be really good. I'm not sold on the whole Trey Lance situation for the 49ers, but they're the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan, it's going to be a good team. Um, Cardinals still have Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. So those are two things that I don't really think work at this point. You saw some of that drama unfold this offseason with the contract situation. Uh, they always fall apart late in the season. I think that's what keeps them out of the playoffs. And the Seahawks are just awful. I don't I don't know how they are going to field the team this year. If Geno, Geno Smith is the starting quarterback for them, I think that you will have people wanting out. I think DK will maybe try to force a trade by the end of the year. Well, uh, not that he just got the new deal. He, he just I still an extension. Think, I think so. Oh, really? I think that I think you might see an NBA type situation where they sign a max and then immediately demand out. I could maybe see that happening here because I don't see the plan. Um, I don't see like Pete Carroll for a while was like this draft god who was getting Richard Sherman in the seventh round. Like, well, okay, you don't you haven't drafted an offensive tackle or offensive lineman in the past 10 years that has been good. You've drafted okay wide receivers. Your defense is in shambles. Um, You also traded all your picks for Jamal Adams. So I don't know what assets they have. In fact, it might not even be that DK Metcalf uh, 
request a trade. It might be that they trade him and Tyler Lockett just to get some picks back. So that, that's a dumpster fire there. I don't know what they're going to end up doing, but it'll be interesting to watch. Okay. And now for the fun part, we don't have to go through the seeding in every game of the playoffs. Who do you have in your AFC championship game? So I have the Chiefs versus the Ravens. The, the Chiefs were the first seed in my scenario. Ravens were the third seed. The Ravens have only gotten better. Um, they got rid of Marquise Brown, um, that wide super fast wide receiver, but it wasn't like he was great anyway. If you watched any of the Ra- uh, Ravens games last year, it's kind of like an early MBS type situation where he's wide open, down the field, hits him in stride in the chest and he drops the football. So, I mean, getting rid of him, I, I'm not saying that they'll be better because of it, but I don't think it's as big a loss as people are making it out to be. Defense is going to be great. Lamar Jackson is a leader. Uh, they're great from top to bottom. They're, maybe their weakest point is wide receiver. And I think that the wide receiver they drafted a few years ago is going to show out Rashad Bateman, uh, first round talent. I think that he will lead them in targets, completions, yards, everything. So I think they're a solid team, and they end up making the AFC Championship game. Okay. I have the Chiefs versus the Chargers in the AFC Championship. I think, you know, a lot of people, I think it's notable that we both don't have the Bills. I think a lot of people are going to put the Bills here, and I just think, you know, thinking back to the last five or six years of the NFL, the team that is always picked to go to the Super Bowl, the unanimous team never makes it. You know, they very, very rarely does the preseason favor ever make it to what they are predicted to do. And I just think that there's a lot of pressure on the Bills. I think that they are relying on some aging players to come in and make plays for them. And I know that we say this about every running quarterback, but Josh Allen plays a very physical style of football. He is a horse, but I mean, the way he runs is very similar to Cam Newton and he's built like Cam Newton. And I get that, but you never know that, you know, is this the year that there's a toe injury or something that just completely alters their game. So I have the chiefs versus the chargers. What about the NFC for you? So for the NFC, I have the Rams versus the bucks uh, Rams, one seed bucks, three seed. It's an interesting coincidence. Um, Buccaneers don't end up, uh, you know, having too tough, of a playoff run they face the vikings and the saints early uh two teams that they've dominated every time that they've played rams not really that hard either they play the eagles and the patriots so oh no they just play the eagles so yeah and the patriots are in a completely separate conference um anyway so yeah rams buccaneers i am kind of interested though i, I want to go back to the bills there uh talking about them is it also kind of weird to you like the amount of hype that they're getting versus what the chiefs have gotten years past, because I feel like they are being hyped up so high that it's almost impossible for them to reach it. Well, I I think part of it is, is that when it was us, we were dancing in the streets to the music of our own beat. You know, I think that you're talking about the, I think the thing about the bills is that this hype train has lasted longer than the chiefs because the chiefs, Burst on in 2018. No one saw it with Mahomes. And then, you know, that year of 2018 was just the year of Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes could have farted and it would have been on Sports Center. Uh, and then they lost to the Patriots. And then 2019, you know, everyone was still very on the Chiefs bandwagon. And then they came out and they won. The thing about the Bills is that they've been good, but they've not won anything. They've never even been to Super Bowl with Josh Allen at quarterback. It's a bigger market than Kansas City, New York. 
Bills have a huge national fan base. And also they're a team that's never won a Super Bowl. So like there's a lot of like if you notice a lot of the media coverage of the Bills is, oh, you know, Bills Mafia, we love you guys. You're so crazy out there. Bills Mafia. Like it, it's almost kind of like the Cubs, like how they, you know, they're lovable losers and that kind of stuff. So everyone really wants it for them. It's a New York brand. So, you know, that there's going to be a lot of coverage for them as well. Um, I, I do think it's a little outlandish this year. The I, I just think that it's a team that everyone's decided is the best team. And I'm just not sure that you can really come to that consensus as strong as the AFC is. But anyways, um, okay. So my 49er, uh, well, I give it away there. My AF, NFC championship is going to be 49ers versus Bucks. Here's my thing. I think that this kind of gets into my prediction and ultimately my Super Bowl. I think that the 49ers are going to come out of the gate struggling like they kind of do. I think that they have some of the best offensive play playmakers in the NFC. I think that they have one of the best offensive minds in the NFC. And I think that Trey Lance is going to start out rough, but I also think that here getting towards the end of the end of the season, I think that he's going to really find his groove. And I think that they are just going to say, you know what, screw it. We're going to make you glorified Lamar Jackson. And you are just going to run the ball on design runs. And we're going to ask you to throw it a little bit. And I think that the 49ers are going to be really good with that style of offense. I think it's going to catch teams off guard. Um, I have the 49ers winning the NFC championship over the bucks. I just think that there's too much weirdness going on with Tom Brady, one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. I think that there's a lot of team, a lot of players on that team that are going to struggle to make it through the full season. We've already seen some big injuries for that team. So I have the 49ers going to the NFC championship and by God, or going to the Super Bowl, and by God, I've got your Kansas city chiefs going to the AFC championship to the Super Bowl. Rematch of 2019. Here's my thoughts on the why I, as trying to be as objective as possible, why I think that the Chiefs will be a good team to make the Super Bowl. There are the the little secret about the cover two shell is is that everyone faced it a lot. Now the Chiefs most notably faced it the most. I think the Chiefs have spent all off season trying to figure out how to beat that offense, or that style of defense, and I think that it is going to help them tremendously this season. And I think that everyone has a chip on their shoulder from the way that last year ended. I think that a lot of there's been so much poster board material put out there for them. I think that with the young players that they have on defense, that there's a ton of room for this team to grow. Remember a lot of times in the playoffs, it's not about who was the best team all year. It's about who's playing their best football when it matters most, the winning, the best football is played after Thanksgiving. And I think the chiefs, are going to have the blueprint for that with the ability to run the ball when they need to some, the defense that is fast and aggressive and going to be getting a better hold of the scheme. Mahomes going to develop better rapport. This is the most diverse offense that the Chiefs have ever had, including Patrick Mahomes at quarterback when Andy Reid is here. You've got two or three good running backs, two or three good wide receivers, a Hall of Fame caliber tight end, a really good offensive line, and a defense that isn't you're hoping it does not have a weak link. So I, 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 while I'm sure I'm still being a chiefs fan deep inside, I feel chiefs versus 49ers Super Bowl. Yeah. And so I have the chiefs beating the Ravens and the Rams beating the Buccaneers. So it's a chiefs versus Rams Super Bowl. Finally, we get it after like yes. five years, after well, five that's years, what I was gonna say. feels like we, we get that 2018 
Chiefs versus Rams, best game ever played. I don't know about that if you like defense, but 54 to 51 loss for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs get redemption here. I also have the Chiefs losing in the regular season to the Rams, which gives them added motivation to win this game. And I really, really like what you said about it's not about the best team. It's about who's playing the best that day. And you look at we'll, – we'll go back to the Chiefs uh, 49ers Super Bowl, right? The 49ers, if you think back, was a much better team than the Chiefs were. Like, their defense was stout. They had incredible playmakers. Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman. I mean, like, they had everybody on that defense. They played incredibly well throughout the entire regular season. And then once they got to the Super Bowl, they did an okay job but they didn't end up holding Mahomes back. And then you have on the Chiefs side of it, like the offense was great, all-time great offense with Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Damian Williams, like all these big names. Um, They were still not ranked as the number one offense. They ended up coming through and playing like the number one offense in the Super Bowl. Even the conference championship game this year in the AFC, you have the Bengals, who I don't think were as good a team as the Chiefs were this year. They ended up beating them because they didn't play a good second half of football. Like that's all that it takes in this to, to go like to, to go from being the best team in the league to, you know, sitting at home watching the Super Bowl from the couch. So I think the chiefs have the potential with Mahomes. I think that their ceiling is maybe higher than any other team in the league. And I think that their floor is actually really, really high too, just because they have Mahomes and all of these weapons. So chiefs make it there. Rams, yeah, I picked a chalk pick, but it's the Rams. They they added a bunch of pieces. They've got Sean McVay. I, I love the Matt Stafford trade from a year ago. Like that just make all that all that makes sense to me. So they're gonna have all their guys coming back. Upgraded wide receiver from Robert Woods to Allen Robinson. Still have Cooper Cup. They're just loaded. So seeing them face the Chiefs, both two all-time great offensive, two t- all-time great offensive minds in the game of football and Sean McVay and Andy Reid go head to head. Uh, I didn't predict a score, but I would guess something in the fifties again. And I think that you look back on this Super Bowl as, Oh my gosh, you you remember when, well, first of all, do you remember in 2018 where, you know, the Rams faced the chiefs and it was an absolute bloodbath. They were scoring every other play. And then, you know, in later 2022, four years later, it took us that long to get a good playoff game. It should have happened that year, but you know, you go back through it, you reminisce, and it's like, man, it was just as good as a game as we predicted it to be. So I'm looking for a Super Bowl classic to be played between the Chiefs and the Rams, and I don't think that they will disappoint. I, um, my thoughts on Chiefs first 49ers Super Bowl, again, no one is going to laugh you out of the room if you were to pick this sitting in Chicago or Milwaukee or wherever you lived. It's a very reasonable set of teams that we've all picked for Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure there's some bias included. I'm not going to be ridiculous and say that there's zero bias here. Yeah. Uh, I think the narrative going into this is going to be you've got, you know, Patrick Mahomes 2.0 and Trey Lance. He's going to be more of a runner, less of a thrower, but still can throw the ball well, has a strong arm. We saw that in the preseason. And it's going to be, you know, the the kid versus the kid, that this is the future of the NFL, two, two of the brightest young stars in the NFL facing off against each other. And it'll be exciting to see Mahomes be, you know, for the first time, the seasoned guy in the Super Bowl. And I think it's going to show. I think, you know, ultimately the difference in the game is going to come down to Mahomes having the goods as far as the starting quarterback 
playing in his third Super Bowl. And I think also that the, you know, like once again, the 49ers inability to pass the ball when it matters most is going to hurt them. I do think that Lance would be an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. And I also don't know. I also think that, you know, this is going to be the best version of the Chiefs defense we've seen with Patrick Mahomes. I feel pretty optimistic about saying that. And I think that the narrative is that this is the legacy builder for Mahomes. You know, he's been to three, one, two, that, you know, you start talking about where that stacks up all the time, all time, you know, that puts him as already as many Super Bowls as Peyton Manning. So pretty exciting stuff. Obviously, these are all predictions. And, you know, week one, we'll, we'll hop on this podcast. And if they lose to the Cardinals, we'll be telling you, like, yeah, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs. So, <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. These are just predictions this is what makes football fun. Real quick, let's go through our awards. Who do you have as most valuable player? So I kind of did this. I, I kind of cheated on this a little bit. So when we talked about doing this episode, we said we're going to have these guys. We'll pick them all out. I went with, like, the chalk pick and then I picked like a dark horse. So this is, I, I'll kind of give them both and give my explanations for each of them. But I just want to let you know, before we get started that I did cheat on this assignment. I wrote down two answers. I am not going to apologize for it though. So for MVP, I have the chalk pick, which is Mahomes. Like the storyline is there. The talent is there. Um, the voters are not afraid to vote for Mahomes. In fact, I think a lot of them would maybe rather vote for Mahomes than Aaron Rodgers or, Tom Brady at this point, um, he has all new weapons. You know, it's all about proving himself. Uh, he could do it without Tyreek. You know, this is the this is the storyline that we're going to that we've heard all offseason. We're going to be hearing it all throughout the year. And if they have a good regular season, Mahomes stays healthy. You're looking at like 45 and 10, like 45 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, and if they win the division, get the number one seed. I think that's absolutely possible. Now, for my dark horse. This is going to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to choose Jameis Winston um, of the Saints, starting quarterback over there. I don't know if they will win their division. I have them going 10 and 7, but you have a guy who threw 30 picks and 30 touchdowns a few seasons ago, got behind Drew Brees, and did a little bit of learning. So I could absolutely see him with some of those weapons like Alvin Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas. And some of those other guys making some really big moves. And I think that if he has like a 45 and 25 season, that that could absolutely bring him into the MVP conversation. For my MVP, I have Josh Allen. I think that's just the narratives there. I think that he adds a lot in the running and the passing game. I think people will be glad to make Josh Allen the MVP of the league. And I think he, you know, he's probably deserving. Let's move on to Offensive Player of the Year. Who do you have as your Offensive Player of the Year? So I think the chalk pick here um, is you could go with Cooper Cup again. However, I, I'm not going to do that. Um, I did kind of steal your your pick here. We, we gave notes. We passed notes before we took this test. Uh, I went with Justin Jefferson as well. I know that's who you picked, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out your pick before you even pick him. Uh, he's just in the perfect spot. He's like one of the best young and up, up and coming wide receivers. Um, you know, he's on a team that, you know, really is going to have to depend on him to do well. And he's got the talent, man. He's like, he's just, I said, he's he, just a great combination of, uh, like physical ability, go up and get it speed route running in a team that's going to be behind a lot and throw the ball. You can see a situation where he stacks up a lot of catches. He's a, he's a great talent, man. I fantasize about him in red and gold, no doubt. 
Oh yeah, no kidding. Defensive no player kidding. of the year is just not very much fun to pick anymore. It's the uh, you know the Aaron Donald Legacy Award, but this year I decided to go with T.J. Watt just to make it interesting. Yeah, and I can see why you chose him. Uh, I kind of went off the reservation with this pick a little bit. I went with Nick Bosa from the 49ers. Like he's going to be a he's key contributor course, yeah. on that defense. And last year, nobody's talking about it. He had 15 and a half sacks. So crazy high numbers has played incredibly well in years past. And he's going to be an integral part of a team that maybe makes the playoffs. So you've got all those things working for you. You got the wins, you got the skill and you've got the personal accomplishments. So I could absolutely see it be him. Uh, Offensive rookie of the year. I have Chris Olave. I think he's probably the most diverse of the wide receivers. I think he has a really defined role in New Orleans. I think the return of Michael Thomas will help him. And I think it's still going to be a good offense with Alvin Kamara in there as well. So I have Chris Olave. Honestly, if you go and look at the draft class, there's not a ton of candidates that really jump off the page. Honestly, I, I kind of was tempted to take like Brees Hall or someone like that, who's just going to get a lot of opportunity. But ultimately, I landed on Chris Olave, wide receiver. Yeah, and this is like one of the most fun years to pick this Offensive Rookie of the Year award because there weren't any like really, really good top five quarterbacks picked. I mean, it's not like last year when you have like Mac Jones and, and all these, you know, superstar quarterbacks going in the first round. It's like, oh, you have um, you, Malik Willis uh, who went in like the third or fifth round or something crazy. You have Kenny Pickett went to the Steelers because they were obligated to and, take a quarterback. Yeah, and he's probably not going to play. No. And so, you know, you, you're putting a situation here where you have to pick a skills guy. And for me, I, I have to ride the hype train and I have to follow my convictions and it's going to be George Pickens. I was raving about him before the draft. I said, the chiefs, if you have the chance in round one, pull the trigger, grab him. He is going to be a star. You saw him on Sunday uh, on plays where he was the wide receiver on the opposite side of the field, bulldozing over his cornerback just because he could, because he because he thinks that's fun. Then you had him catch a toe tap in zone back shoulder fade for a touchdown. Like this is a guy with lots of talent on a team that's going to need him to produce. I think that he'll come in and immediately be that number one alpha, even though they have other guys on the team that have been the alpha in years past. So George Pickens. Steelers, wide receiver, offensive rookie of the year. And lastly, to close it out, defensive rookie of the year. This one was hard for me. There's there's a lot of good candidates. I don't think that some of the big guys like uh, Sauce Gardner or Aiden Hutchinson are going to be able to do enough on bad teams. I went with Jordan Davis. I think that he's a sneaky pick to rack up, you know, six or seven sacks at the defensive tackle position. And playing next to Fletcher Cox on a Fletcher Fletcher Cox on a good defense, um, I could see it. Jordan Davis highlights, you know, people love big guys, kind of in the shadow of an Aaron Donald s type of award. Give me Jordan Davis for defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I could absolutely see that, and I'm sure that you've seen the hype video that was put out for the Eagles training camp where he bulldozed that center all the way back to the quarterback in two seconds. So yeah, absolutely has the talent to do it. So for mine, again, I have two here. The chunk pick here is Aiden Hutchinson. He should have been the number one overall pick. Ended up going number two to Detroit. Uh, home city, hometown where he's just going to bulldoze people and have a hell of a good time and 
probably rack up way more sacks than you thought a rookie could. And then I have a sneaky pick here with Kyle Hamilton, who went to the Ravens. I think he was like pick 15. Absolute stud. He has been showing out in training camp. He's probably going to be a starter. And the thought of a Ravens safety acting like Ed Reed, having that type of cachet, like first round draft pick, uh, incredible talent, super smart, maybe not the most athletic, but super hard hitter. Like I could absolutely see Kyle Hamilton, you know, having six picks or something crazy and in two or three sacks, like just playing a better Jamal Adams role and absolutely killing it. So there you go. Well, guys, sorry to spoil the NFL season for you, uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, even though you have all the answers. With that, we're going to call that a podcast. Uh, next week, we come back. We'll talk about the second preseason game. We'll also talk a little bit about our predictions for what we think the Chiefs players specifically will do. But from Christian Amesworth at CBreezy underscore edits and at Price A. Carter, this has been not just another sports podcast. <laughs>